podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us with whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen. Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Welcome to the Cop Table, a LiverpoolFCHQ.com podcast with your host, Peter Phillips. For all your Liverpool analysis and opinion, check out the website, LiverpoolFCHQ.com. Outside, the shine click it. I heard a cop I calling. Hello and welcome to tonight's Cop Table podcast, where we are going to be previewing the Crystal Palace versus Liverpool game this coming Monday evening. On tonight's show, we have once again with us Jay Riley. Jay's a regular on the Redmen TV. Also, Radio City Fan Friday talk show and uh, right to the, a little before the Liverpool Echo. Also with us tonight, representing Crystal Palace, we have Donna Hurley. Donna is um, season ticket holder of Palace and has uh, been with us once again previously on the podcast. So uh, welcome to you as well, Donna. Okay then, Jay, looking back towards the game yesterday, opening game at Anfield against West Ham. What was your, your thoughts on the, the opening day victory for Liverpool? Well, first and foremost, it was great, wasn't it, to get the three points? And I did say on the last podcast that, you know, it's all about getting the three points and you can't really always expect the performance to be there on the opening game because, you know, you've just had a hard pre-season and, you know, you just don't know whether the players are in sync together yet or the opposition had quite a few new players as well. So you didn't know what you were going to get from West Ham having a new manager as well but I thought with Liverpool it was just cruise control really wasn't it I mean we won 4-0 and I think you know that was probably the correct scoreline really because Liverpool totally controlled the game and you know I think we had what 65% possession as well and you know, was it 15 shots or something in the game and we created quite a lot of really good opportunities as well especially in the first half I mean we could arguably have been 3 or 4-0 up at half time to tell you the truth so you know, to finish the game 4-0, it was probably about right, really, all things considered. And you know, some outstanding performances, really, wasn't it? Without really getting out of second gear, as I said, we're in cruise control. And, I mean, when I was actually at the game, I thought Cater had, had an OK performance. But then when I watched it back today on LFC TV, he was absolutely outstanding, to be honest. You know, considering it was his, it was his debut, it was a fantastic display from him. You know, fantastic in, in the middle of the park, just... You know, linking the play with the forward players, some of his past, some of it was fantastic, really, and you know, it's a sign of things to come. I said, you know, all pre-season, I'm so excited to see this lad in Liverpool shirt, and like I say, I didn't think he was when I was at the game. I didn't think he was he was fantastic, but you know, when you watch the game back, it was it was a very memorable debut from him. He was brilliant. Um, other than that, you know, Sadio Mane finished last season very well. He, he was probably our best player. You know, the last couple of months of the season. Scored in the European Cup final as well against Real Madrid. He's arguably been our best player in pre-season as well. And he's basically just carried on where he left off because he scored two goals yesterday. And like I say, fantastic performance by him. And also, you know, I thought Gini Wijnaldum played well and James Milner, who actually got man of the match on Sky, didn't he? So there's quite a lot of good performances there in a red shirt. I also thought Joe Gomez looked very good and composed, very assured alongside Virgil van Dijk, who we all know. You know, obviously, he's a Rolls Royce, isn't he? The centre half. But the problem we have is who's going to partner Van Dijk. And I thought Joe Gomez was outstanding, to be honest with you. Yeah, of course, he wasn't really threatened too much. And I think on one occasion, he lost Arn out of it, but he did get back well to deflect it wide for the corner. So he was sort of like redeemed himself, didn't he, really? But positive signs there with his partnership there with Van Dijk, because with the news that Asian Lovren's probably going to be out for three or four weeks, then. It's his opportunity now to, to get a run of games in, in the start 
11 at centre-half because that's where he was brought to play when he was a kid a few years ago. He's been tried at left-back. He's played at right-back, hasn't he, last season as well. And maybe he'll get his, his proper run of games now at centre-half. And, you know, he he done his, his shelf of playing in that role for, you know, in the future. No no problem at all, no harm at all. Because, you know, as I said, I thought he looked good alongside Van Dijk. And, you know, we got the, the typical performance from Andy Robertson. Absolutely fantastic at left-back. You know, he gets up and down. Like it's your self, Bunny, isn't he? Fantastic player as well. So, like I say, you've got to be happy with the opening day. It's all about the three points, but there was a little bit of panache about the performance as well, wasn't it, really? And I thought West Ham struggled, you know, when you've got a midfield of Mark Noble and Jack Wilshire. It's not very mobile, is it? And suicide, really, coming to Anfield with a midfield pair and that. So, you know, they, they didn't really offer much, did they? And I said in the preview to the West Ham game, I was a little bit concerned that Liverpool looked a bit open in some of the pre-season games. And, you know, I thought Arnautovic is a good player. He could have caused a few issues, but in suit, you know, it was quite comfortable for Liverpool. the back line, wasn't it? And, you know, Alisson didn't really have much to do in the game. I thought, you know, obviously his distribution looked really good. It's good with the ball at his feet, isn't he? And, but he wasn't really threatened. didn't really have much to do in terms of saves to make. And it was just a stroll in the park, really, for Liverpool. And, and, and I'm, you know, very happy with the three points. Yeah, and like you just said, then um, there was there was a lot of very good performances. In the, I don't think there was one player who who, who had um, who had a bad performance, if you like. But from everyone that played on on Sunday, Jay, who was the actual? I know you said Milner was the the man of the match on Sky, but for you, who was who was the standout player? When I was at the game, I thought I would have given it to Wijnaldum because I just thought he was brilliant, to be honest, and he's he's very underrated. I mean. There is times, occasion when, when people will say he goes missing in games, in particular away from home. But I just think he obviously he's a lot better at Anfield in the home games. But I just thought he was brilliant, to be honest. He covered every blade of grass, and you know I just thought he got down the pitch very well. Obviously kept his ticking over, linked the play well. I just thought he was very good. I mean, obviously Milner was good as well. He got the old man of the match on Sky. But but now I have had time to you know to sit back and and watch it again on LFC TV and reflect on the game. I think there is a good shout to say maybe arguably Cater, man of the match, to be honest with you. Because like I said before, I'm excited to see this lad play. And he, he, I thought he was brilliant. When you look back and all the stats and all, I've taken on board all that as well. And he, and he had he had one hell of a game really for his for his debut. I thought he had a great game. And and on that on that basis of what having the beauty of being able to watch it again on LFC TV. I'd probably say Naby Cater now. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't disagree. I, I said myself. Um... On Twitter after the game, I thought Genie Wijnaldum was was man of the match myself because he just seemed to be covering everywhere. He, he was getting forward as well. He was breaking the players, passing was brilliant. Um, but then, like you say, I seen the highlights last night. I've seen little bits and pieces of um, little clips of Cater on Twitter and things, and it's yeah, his performance was superb. I think he only put one pass astray in the ho- in the whole of the um, the ninety minutes. So yeah, and he also went up front and he he played um, in Mane's position once once he'd been on it. Taken off for the rest, so it just shows that he's got um he's got a lot of strings to his bow, hasn't he? He he can cover a, a lot of different positions, and he I think he's going to be absolutely vital for us um going forward this season. Looking forward to the trip down to Crystal Palace, Jay. I'm not too sure about their signings that they've made. I know they've brought a few in, but who do you um see from their side of things causing us uh, problems on Monday evening? Got to be the main man, hasn't it, Wilfred Zaha? I mean. Last season, he terrorised young Trent Alexander-Arnold, didn't he? And ironically, Trent learned from that and he, he moved on from that. And he, he got better and better as the season developed and was, was great in the European Cup final and ended up getting called up to the World Cup squad, didn't he? But he got terrorised there at Tellers Park last season. and It was a really tough game. I mean, I know Liverpool came from behind, didn't he, to win the game. And I think we were very fortunate, really, because Carrius could arguably have been sent off in that game early on when he came off his line. Too slow off his line, clattered into Zaha, gave away a penalty, and it could have been a red card. Couldn't it? I think we got a bit fortunate with that one, but like we had to come from behind, didn't we, in that game to, to get a, a much needed three points at the time? And it was a very hard fought game and a hard fought victory. And I think that the the tough side to play against Palace, and you know, people criticise Roy Hodgson and quite rightly so, but to be fair to him, he went there when they were in massive trouble, and he's turned them round, and they're like a mid-table team now, really, aren't they? And, you know, Shelley's Park's a tough place to go and you know, they've got to create a good atmosphere there, don't they, their fans. And, you know, like I say, I think it'll be a tough game because they're full of pace and they're full of power, aren't they, in the team. And 
No Ben Seke had a bit of a nightmare against us last season, Mr. Sitter, didn't he? But he does tend to cause Liverpool problems. The only thing I will say though, you know, obviously Virgil van Dijk might might have him in his pocket a little bit like, but he he is a he is a threat from set pieces, isn't he, Ben Seke? He's he's a big solid target man, so you know, he has caused us problems in the past. So it's one of them, isn't it? You know, you're looking at Zaha as the main man because he just he's he's lightning, isn't he? And he's so direct and he's difficult to play against. He's full of sticks and you know, he's that start adding goals to his game as well. I think he's a very good player, very dangerous player. And you know, I think in the middle of the park, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name, but they've got like a, a Serbian, haven't he? I think he might be the captain now. Actually, he takes the penalties. He's a very good player as well, in my opinion. Milijevic, is it? Milijevic or whatever, something yeah. like that. It's easy for you to say, but penalties. You know, like, yeah. He's a good player. He's a very good footballer. Like so, they've got someone there in the middle of the park as well who can put his foot on the ball. Depends on with the new signings that they've made. I'm not too sure whether they'll be starting the game. They've got Max Meyer, haven't they? So That's whether right. or not he starts, I don't know to be honest. But I think that they're a big, powerful, quick, pacey side, Palace and. He could cause us some problems, so I'm expecting a tough encounter on uh, Monday night. Yeah, and the, the Liverpool side that, that's going down there, do you do you expect Klopp to, to make many changes? Obviously, we've just come back off a, a 4-0 victory and no one's, like we said, had, had any sort of um, problems in the game, no poor performances, no, doesn't seem like we've got any injury problems, so... Is it the um, same 11 again for you, Jay? Well, there's an eight-day gap, isn't he? So I don't see any major reason why it should change. I mean, I know Jordan Henderson's champion at the bit, isn't he, to start, and he's the club captain and what have you. But I just think there's no real reason to change a winning team. And, and it was a comfortable winning team, wasn't it, as well? You know, we were in cruise control, as I said before. But the only thing I will say is it's a different proposition coming up against the Crystal Palace side on their own patch. They're a lot different to West Ham, really, aren't they? Because as I've just said there, they're full of pace, they're full of power, they're a strong, strong side, really. Whereas West Ham are not, you know, there's got no legs in the middle of the park. You know, Palace are different to that. They're a lot pacing, they let you on the counter attack. Liverpool probably have a lot more of the ball, as they do against most teams. But, you know, it's they've got players who can hurt you on the counter attack, Palace, and also from set pieces as well. Whereas West Ham didn't really have that, did they, against them? So, like I say, I think it's going to be a total different game, but. You know, why would you change a winning team? That's just one four 0 comfortably when we've got an eight day gap. There is no real reason to change it. I mean, obviously Sturridge come on and scored straight away after twenty four seconds, and you've got Shakiri wants to get a start because he's he's very eager, isn't he? He's, he's I thought he he done well when he came on. Wants to impress, doesn't he? He's a, he's a very good player as well. You know, Jordan Henderson, as I've just said there, he's the captain at the end of the day, but he still hasn't had much of a preseason, has he? So, you know. On that basis, I just don't think there's any reason to change the team. And I know Fabinho's there as well, isn't he? He played a lot of the pre-season games, then had a little bit of a, a muscle injury, got checked out, he was totally fine, he was a bit of illness, but he was available, wasn't he, for the game yesterday? And like I say, he'd probably be disappointed that if he doesn't get a start, but, but you can't really change a winning team, can you? And there's just no point because there's, there's like over a week gap, isn't he? So they should be fine. I mean, the thing with Klopp, though, he likes to see how they do in training, doesn't he? And if someone's not quite on it in training, and he'll replace them, he'll bring someone else in. And that's the beauty of having a bigger squad now, which we have got. So, you know, we can't complain too much about the squad. I think we're fine, really. Maybe one or, few, one or two little tweaks here and there, maybe another centre-half wouldn't have gone amiss. But, like I say, I just can't see him change a winning team when there's a week's grace as well before we play again, eight days grace. So I think it'll probably be the same team and let's hope it's good enough to be Palace and continue a good start to the season. Yeah, and like you say, we, we have got a, a pretty big squad at the moment now and there's been a few links today of players that could be possibly on, on the way out. There was one link of um, Clavant could possibly be um, moved on as well this season. Do you see much business going that way towards the end of it. Obviously, players can go abroad. Teams from abroad can sign players from our country. So, do you see much happening between now and when their their window shuts, Jay? Yeah, I think you probably see two or three on the way out. I mean, you'd probably say Mignolet will go because it does seem Carrius is the number two and, you know, we've just spent £67 million on a goalie who's the number one. So, there's no real need to have Mignolet around. Is the, he's sure at the age he is now. Is he 30 years of age? He's going to want to have game time, so he needs to be playing football at his age. And I, I think the worry with Mignolet is because he's on fairly decent sized wages and he's got three years left on his contract, we're stuck really. It might, we might be forced into a situation where we have to loan him out, which is not exactly ideal, but 
know, it is what it is. And if like Markovic is in his last year of his contract, I think so. It's a it's a tough one with him because paid twenty million pound for him. But I think we'd probably be grudged like letting him go out on loan in his last year. It's a similar situation with Sturridge. What was the point in letting him go out if no one's gonna buy him? Keep him for his last year and he might prove a point. You know, have a point to prove and that's exactly what he's doing. He looked good, he looked sharp in pre season. Obviously he scored, didn't he, yesterday when he was on the pitch twenty four seconds, which Madness, really, but you know, with Markovic, we need to really be getting money for him. We need to sell him. It's the same with Oregi as well. He's in that last year of his contract dilemma, so there's no point in loaning these players out because what's the point? It's like effectively terminating the contract at 12 months early, isn't it? And you know, when you look at like the only the only good thing about it is you you're basically getting some of the wages off the wage bill. That's the, that's the only difference, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So there's like other clubs up either pay all of the wages or 75% of the wages or something. So I just don't see the point. You know, we need to be selling these players who were in our last year of the contract because you know, there's no point in letting them go out on loan. It just defeats the object, really. Well, I'm sure they're, they're the type of players that are probably looking at selling. And the Clavin stuff today, it's come as a little bit of a shock, really. But I suppose like he's probably not going to get much game time, is he? Because providing the, the, the players stay fit, he'd be like fourth or fifth choice, wouldn't he? But as you know, as well as I do, and the rest of the fan base knows, Liverpool at the back, other than Van Dijk, the rest of them all seem to get in. You'd like, you know, Joe Matip's made a prong crackers, isn't he? Joe Gomez has had a lot of injuries as well, to be honest. And if, you, if you're looking at Shell and Clavin, then, you know, at the minute, Lovren's injuries out for three weeks. So if you're looking at Shell and Clavin, then you're looking at maybe that Nathaniel Phillips being like the fourth choice, which some people seem to think he looks all right. And, you know, at the end of the day, if Klopp thinks he's got something about him, then that's that's good enough for me, you, or anyone else. But I'm a little bit unsure about him, to be honest, because that game against Torino, you know, he's a centre-half, and he was partly to blame for the goal we conceded. I mean, don't get me wrong, it wasn't solely his fault, because Moreno was poor for that goal as well, and Klopp was having a, having a go at Keita for not tracking back and helping Moreno out. But ultimately, it, it was Phillips' man in the box, and he let him go, and he scored from it. And not just that, he also got turned just on the halfway line by Bellotti and brought him down. Now, in a, in a proper game of football, that could have been a red card, you know what I mean? So, two massive errors, really, for the centre-half to make. And, look, he's only a kid, he's a young boy, but I don't want him to be in that position where he's pressured, where if we Liverpool have got a couple of injuries at centre-half, and all of a sudden we have to use this kid at centre-back, it's not ideal, is it? You know what I mean? So, like I say, it's one of them. I, I personally, at the age that he is in his last year of his contract, I'd keep Clavin, to be perfectly honest, I think. When he when he was called upon last season, I think he played about ten, fifteen games on the spin. And he actually done all right for us and then he scored that goal, didn't he, on New Year's Day at Turf Moor to get the late winner against Burnley. I'd hardly seen him again after that. It was a strange situation, but personally I'd keep him. I just don't see the point in letting him go. You know what I mean? He provides good experience and cover for us, but again, a bit like Mignolet with the age factor. He might want to go out elsewhere and get game time because, you know, he's he's in his thirties now, isn't he? So for him, he probably wants to be playing football really on a regular basis. So that might be a little bit of thought process in it. A bit like Ings when he said, Look, I need I need games and he's got his move to Southampton. Maybe Clavens had a discussion with Klopp and said, Look, I want to play football and they're not gonna stand in his way and they're gonna let him move on. But I think it remains to be seen, like there's a few weeks left of that window, isn't he? So yeah, I think there'll be a, a two or three of our players moving on by then. Yeah, it's interesting the, the way that um that Phillips is has now forced, sort of forced himself into the to the first team squad, if you like, because the Irish like Connor Masterson seemed to be on a, on the bench a few times last season towards the end, didn't he? When we we had injuries once again, but doesn't seem to have been uh, mentioned much this time around, has he? Just strange when he seems to have, like gone off the radar a little bit, hasn't he? And this Phillips is sort of like taking over from him, but you know it's one of them. Not only backup players, aren't they? And it's just the problem is you'd, you'd like to hope and you'd like to think we would not need to call upon these young boys to play. But, you know, as we know too well, that we've got injury prone defenders and they're all injury prone apart from Van Dyke, aren't they? As I touched on before, or Joe Gomez is even injury prone and you've got love in the matter. So they're not really reliable, are they're not 100% reliable anyway. So there is times when you're thinking in the back of your mind, we might have to call upon the one of these two, you know, like young kids as the season progresses. And it's not ideal, is it? But, you know, as I say, fingers crossed, touch wood, it doesn't come down to that because, you know, I'm not 100% convinced. But, you know, let's see, let's open play that our players just stay fit and we don't don't have the issues that you know, we've had in the past. 
But, you know, it is a bit of a dilemma for Klopp, but you're right, he has sort of, like, gone off the radar a bit, that Masterson. Thanks, Jay. OK, um, what we're going to do now, Jay, is just to get your, your thoughts and your predictions on the on the game down at Sellers Park on Monday night. What's your score predictions and your reasons for, for them, please, Jay? You know what, right? I, I think, I mean, it's the start of the season, so, again, it's it's not easy to just expect to go somewhere and get three points. It's it's a tough place to go. On Monday night, the atmosphere, I'm sure they'll be bouncing their fans, their first home game of the season. And as I said before, they're a big, powerful side, you know, with full of pace as well. You know, the, the full-backs are quick. Van Arnold's quick. Schlupp's quick. You know, said about Zaha before, he's, he's, he's lightning, isn't he? And he's, he's full of tricks and he's added goals to his game now. And Andros Townsend's quick and they've got players in the middle of the park and put a foot on the ball. So they've got that Bissacher as well, haven't he? Wan Bissacher, he's like a... He's a proper find, him, isn't he? Like a little kid, isn't he? And he's just... He's quick as well, and he's, he's just adapted to the Premier League. Got his gains, got his uh, his chance last season, and he's just gone from strength to strength. So they've got plenty of dangerous players in their team, to be honest with you. And I think it's a really, really tricky game. But I'm just hoping that this Liverpool team, we've just got that little aura about us, haven't we, where you know, it doesn't matter who we play or where we go, whether it's at Anfield or whether it's an away game against the top team or the lesser team or into Europe. You're always confident, aren't you, that Liverpool can go and get three points or win the game of football because there's no fear. You know, like other teams should fear us because, you know, apart from Man City, with Liverpool, you know, the top two teams in this league, aren't we? Do you know what I mean? Other teams should fear us, but I do think it'll be a tough game. No, there's no two ways about it. I do think, I do rate Palace. I think they're the they're strong side and, I just think maybe it will be tough, but I'm just open. we can do what we've done there last season and it'll be a hard-fought game, but I just hope that it's another hard-fought victory and we win 2-1. Go for the 2-1 victory, Jay, yeah. Sound? Hi, Jack the producer here. I hope you're enjoying this week's show. If you'd like some more football podcasts by Runny Dog Media, then you might be interested in Total Football Analysis. Hosted by Chris Darwin and Lee Scott, Total Football Analysis exists to provide you with a little more context and understanding of the game that dominates all of our lives. You can find it at iTunes, SoundCloud, Acast and TotalFootballAnalysis.com. Okay, then uh, we're going to head over to Donna now, representing Crystal Palace. Okay, Donna, what was your thoughts on the opening day victory against Fulham? 2-0 win for you guys. A little bit of uh, insight into that performance, please, Donna. Refreshing performance. Um, no real areas for concern, um, which is uh, which is always good. I think um, in terms of performances, uh, um, I mean, <laughs> everyone's raving about Aaron Wan Bissaka, he was um, just, you know, um, all of the talk before the game was about Sessegnon, who's, you know, young, you know, fantastically talented player for Fulham, expected to, you know, make a mark in the Premier League this year um, uh, and up against, uh, you know, an inexperienced right back in, in Aaron Wan Bissaka. You know, I think it's his, if I'm correct, is it his eighth Premier League game, maybe his ninth, it might be, I'm sure, in the stats, but he was, he was just brilliant. You know his ability to block balls, his um, his positioning, you know, uh, improving. And uh, um, uh, if you've seen the highlights, just uh, uh, the way in which he made the second goal for Wilfred Zaha, um, you know, taking a hit from Mitrovic, getting back up, cutting inside and leaving Cesny on for dead, and, um, uh, and and playing a lovely ball through Zaha, which killed off the game. So you know, Van Bissaka's performance has been great. But but you know, I think as well, you know, a word for Wayne Hennessy, who probably um, uh, over the years is probably subject to the most level of uh, I'm going to say measured criticism sometimes frenzied criticism from Palace fans I'm probably somewhere in between measured and frenzied when when I think about criticizing him but you know he made a couple of you know really really good saves you know really really crucial saves um and especially as he's got you know a, a new goalkeeper signed from Getafe you know breathing down his back you know he needed that performance and um you know he kept in the game at times so you know Hennessy was quite pleasing um you know Van Arnold again um you know assured and and forward and um Jeffrey Schlupp another guy you know got the first goal um he's playing in a more advanced role this year he's he's been in and out with injuries so you know it's um you know I wouldn't say it's a it, it was a performance to you know get too excited by but it just kind of I think it was a good calming measure for a lot of Palace fans I don't think there was too much uh, you know as I said pessimism entering the um start of the season given the you know the couple of players that Palace got in and the um you know unmitigating trust that uh, we have in Hudson but um yeah, you know, Wan Bissaka has been a revelation, and if he can, 
you know, maintain that form and, and, and hopefully, um, the likes of myself and other Palace fans, you know, don't heap too much expectation on him and, and you know, allow him to make mistakes and to continue to learn. Um, he looks a really, really exciting prospect. And um, I think a lot of Palace players, or not, not Palace players, but even Palace fans sort of reflecting on his impact at right back. You know, there have been similar comparisons made to the Trent Alexander-Arnold had. Um, you know, um, I read somewhere about Alexander-Arnold, you know, potentially uh, being a more... Uh, suited to to a midfield role at Wambasaka is one who's come the other way traditionally a winger and um, nesting in uh, in a you know looking as comfortable as anybody uh, in a right back position in his eighth ever Premier League game so it's uh, yeah really really encouraging and you know hopefully a sign of things to come. I'm just actually looking on the Eagles Beak website at, at some of the stats from the from the game and then and the player performances seems that Patrick Van Aerholt um, and like you say Wambasaka had good games. And then also Zahar um, Townsend and another couple of players who, who've got good performance ratings. So is this the, the type of uh, tactics Roy Hodgson's using now? Is he is he getting the wingers up and down? Is he is he play is he stretching the play? Is he is he all about getting the ball into the box then through Benteke and not so much playing through through the middle as um, as he's done previously with his other teams? I think it's bits and pieces, to be fair. You're right in, in, in terms of um, Townsend's impact. And it's very much, uh, uh, I suppose, uh, you know, a unit you've got in, in, in Wilf Zaha, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the best Palace player that I've ever seen. And I think we're, you know, we, we might ever see for a long time. He was obviously the talisman, you know, the, the, the guy that people look to to make things happen. But, but um, you know, Hennessy, um, or not, not, not Hennessy, a bigger part, but Townsend, uh, you know, in particular the last, sort of 12 months since um, uh, you know maybe even further I think you know Sam Allardyce sort of picked Townsend's form up he looked disjointed he looked dejected at Palace when when Pardew was still there and there was talk of him leaving and and, and he's um, become such a hugely hugely important part to what makes Palace ticks he runs as you said he gets up and down Channel and he's he's a uh, he's he's hugely important as well in terms of you know Wan Bissaka's development you know being a you know being an ally and being someone there who's going to praise him when he's doing well he's going to you know. Um, you know, lay off some of that advice. Um, in terms of style of play, um, you know, it, it, it is a bit mixed. I think you know, Palace is still under Hudson, probably the only, um, uh, as far as I, you know, can can see. There's probably a few exceptions, still playing a sort of a form of four four two or four four one one. So, you know, where, where Townsend is used effectively on the wide, you know, Will Zaha is essentially a striker now and 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 and, and playing off Benteke. And um, I think to Benteke's, you know, credit, even though his goal scoring record last year was was abysmal um you know he his confidence began to sort of grow and he's his his hold up play and his sort of um his his big man up front play is quite useful you know Zaha nearly scored a, a you know a, a goal at the weekend on the back of a of a Benteke flick down from a from a long ball in so there is a good bit of variation I think there was probably a time where uh, possibly after the England job when there was a bit of ridicule bandied about about Hudson becoming the pass manager and and you know reverting to a, a sort of a, four, a rigid 4-4-2 rather than maybe a 4-3-3 which you know many Palace fans would have felt would have brought the best out of Zaha you know in a in, in a wider role and and Townsend in a wide role playing off um you know Benteke but it's worked uh, and, you know and I think the it's sort of evidenced in you know in the form and the results um I think hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll continue the trend from last season where you know outside of I think you know the top six top seven and so on um once Hodgson came in you know, they just weren't losing games to sides that were around them or, 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 or you know, or below them. Um, and it's testament to the way in which, you know, we can utilise the pace on the break. Um, you've got players like Milivojevic who sits and uh, he's essentially just a brick wall, uh, you know, sitting in front of the back four and, um, and you know, and, you know, uh, you know, at the back, you know, Sacco and Tompkins who, uh, when they've partnered uh, and, and played with each other, um, you know, um, just, just refuse to be beaten. So there's a good spine of the team, which I think, had been, you know, lacking for a while, which then allows, you know, a bit of variety. Um, you know, Townsend's, you know, to play effectively, but, but having, you know, we saw Saka breaking forward, and you know, and and Van Aanholt, who loves to get forward, you know, the back end of last season, he was, you know, pivotal in terms of, you know, getting on the score sheet, you know, getting involved, and, uh, you know, he he made, um, he played the ball through for Jeffrey Schluff's goal at the weekend as well. Um, you know, there's good, um, you know, bombing forward from those fullbacks because you've got, you know, people as I said like Milivojevic who. Who's happy just to sit and uh, and help mop up so that if there is a you know a threat in the break we've got pace to come back. So it's um yeah you know the football's good you know the results are good so it's um you know dare I say it looking you know fairly positive. Yeah, I'd just like to ask you about the uh, the new signings that the Palace have made. Um, obviously Kuyate played at the weekend, didn't he? Um, 
Well, Max Meyer, he didn't play. Is, is there uh, some sort of fitness issues with um, with him? Is that why he's not been in the squad at the weekend? Yeah, basically. I, I, I think I read that he hasn't played a game since April. Um, and obviously, you know, having ran down his contract at, at Schalke, he's, he hasn't had a pre-season at all. So I think, you know, Palace are trying to you know, get a game arranged, you know, especially for him during the week to try to get his fitness levels up. You know, he's... He's a young guy, so I think Hodgson's quite confident of you know getting him match fit. But I, I'd imagine it's going to be a couple of weeks before that, and it might even be until after the international break before you know maybe we see him starting. So the signings have been, you know, there was initial panic, there was initial worry in terms of you know Lazio and Kabay, a huge, hugely important player for Palace. You know, just you know one of the one of the few players Palace haven't decided that you know could you know get the ball you know deep and just turn and have a bit of composure to be able to you know um, feed the ball further up the pitch and uh, you know and get play going so you know he was a massive loss and, and they've lost a lot of depth um you know um Bakary Sacco and um, Lee Chung-young didn't necessarily pull up trees at Palace but you know they're just numbers in a squad that was already depleted and heavily depleted with injury last year so I think you know business was slow um you know a the keeper was signed on a pre-contract back in January and then there was you know a series of tumbleweeds just floating around Sellers Park for a few weeks while you know West Ham were spending all their money and their grandmother's mortgage on any player they could find and you know Fulham have come up and spent 100 million Wolves have pretty much um, you know bought entire districts of Portugal to come and play for them it seems there's you know just endless um, money being spent by clubs and Palace had been you know quite uh, shrewd you know I suppose there was there was talk of um, you know, a move for Loftus Cheek, which I don't necessarily think was truly on. There was whispers of it. I think Chelsea declined it, but but to to get Max Meyer in when when Palace did, you know, about a week, maybe a week and a half before the end of the transfer window, it just any of those anxieties that have been there previously, because Palace don't you know don't know how to do good transfer windows. It's always panicked. It's always rushed. It's always you know you see clubs signing other players and you think, ah, oh, Jesus, we should be signing someone like that. So to get someone of his calibre in, when you, you know, hear you know, how much quality he had, captaining, I think, uh, you know, Germany to uh, was it the Olympics in 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 2016, um, and you know, a year ago being linked with some of the top teams. So, you know, credit to you know Dougie Friedman, uh, Parish, and uh, Ian Moody, the club for for getting that over the line. And I think you know Kuyate, I think, is probably someone who will push for a starting place. You know, you know, definitely, I think he's got experience and he's proven to you know he had a couple of good seasons at West Ham as well so you know there's good quality coming in Jordan Ayew and is very much you know a fringe player I think someone to you know to add a bit of depth and someone who can play wide or or play up front if needs to so adding that you know small snippets of quality in has just alleviated you know some of that you know anxiety and I think if you looked you know in January and looked at the state palace we're in you know I think one of the you know two key areas that palace had identified as needing was you know number one um you know getting a right back because Joel Ward had been, you know, a bit shaky, but the emergence of Juan Bissaka has probably saved Palace twenty or twenty-five million pounds this year, um, which is, you know, quite key when you look at, you know, how I suppose frugal and shrewd Palace have had to be. So it's it, it's allowed them, you know, I suppose to go out and get a Meyer. Um, you know, they've, uh, I suppose, with with Kabay off the wage bill as you know as, as as big a loss to the playing squad as he is. Um, you know, I'd imagine there's sort of eighty, you know, ninety thousand pounds a week going to, you know, to Max Meyer that was going to Kabay. So, you know, if if Palace can stay injury free, um, because you know it was kind of catastrophic last year, um, one stage no fit strikers at the club. Um, you know, I think uh should do should do okay and should be okay. Um, but you know, being able to keep Wilfred Zaha, I know, you know everyone's probably sick of Palace fans going on about him, but um he's there's just nothing you can't do. You know, he scored again and you know at the weekend could have scored, you know, another was unlucky not to. Um he's just uh, you know, being able to hold on to him, and I think Palace will hold on to him for the full season. I don't think he's going to go in January. I think he, you know, probably go next year. And uh, you know, I, I don't like to say that, but I think we, if Palace can get one good season out of him, you know, have a good push, you know, holding on to Zaha, who's irreplaceable, is you know, uh, you know, as good, uh, you know, a move in a in a transfer window as uh, you know any signing that any team has made. Um, and I'll probably get ridiculed for saying that, but he's just irreplaceable. Um, I'm not comparing him to most. Salah before you should take this out of context, but you know he's to he's to Zaha's to you know to Palace what 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 Salah is to Liverpool. You know he's just you you look to him to make things happen. I know Liverpool aren't short of people who can make things happen, but it's just that magnitude and that quality that you know it's 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 irreplaceable and uh, it, it's been pointed out as well about you know he was linked with a seventy million pound move to Spurs and 
Chelsea over, uh, you know, over the summer. But he's he's you know he's priceless to Palace. You, you know, you could give Palace 150 million, and you know, I, I don't think we could replace him. You know, so we could field 17 players instead of 11 and try to get six extra players in to just have the kind of impact that you know a single Wilf Zaha does. So um, it's been good. It's strange, you know. I kind of feel like um, you know, that I should be, I I don't know, sort of going to my doctor for some sort of an examination because it's so rare for Palace to be, you know, positive and, you know, I think quietly optimistic. We've had our sort of fingers burnt, um, uh, you know, in recent years of, of, of thinking, you know, this is our year. And particularly after the cup final, you thought, okay, you know, there's a good squad here to push on. And then Pardew, you know, decided to, um, you, know, uh, you know, bring Palace into the ground and you had uh, Big Sam who came in who helped and, and, and then the ill-fated Frank de Boer, uh, you know, four league games in charge. So it feels like there's a bit of stability. Hodgson has, you know, signed, a, you know, an extension to his deal to keep him here for, you know, at least another two seasons. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's, it's it's not looking too too shabby at all. Yeah, just looking at the um, at a few of the Crystal Palace pages earlier on, saying that Zahar is going to be offered a new contract, whether he signs that or not, um, it's something that we'll find out in the future. But, yeah, he's, he's very important to, to Crystal Palace, isn't he? But... As a se- looking for the season as a whole, Donna, what would you describe as a, a successful season for Crystal Palace? Um, I suppose first thing, I'd like kind of sort of thirty-eight games interrupted, um, where there's, you know, just a, a level of consistency, uh, you know, across the board, where there's no, you know, chaos, uh, you know, in January, there's no, uh, you know, unsuspected departures, um, managerial chaos, um, uh, because you know Palace have sort of you know gone through managers as uh, you know as much if not more than most clubs in you know in recent years um it's it's hard to believe it's not that long ago where you know Neil Warnock was in charge of Palace again for an invade a couple of months before Alan Pardew you know that's the the extent with which uh, it's just been you know no consistency and stability there and it's hard you know to build on that you know Pardew did well to his credit to get to a cup final and then uh, it, it all fizzled out so I mean everyone talks about Burnley last year and I think everyone who finished below Burnley you know, the, the aspiration is to, you know, is, is to be the Burnley. I think there's, you know, a bit more competition in in the fact that, you know, Everton have improved. Um, well, I say West Ham have improved and strengthened, but, you know, we'll probably take a bit of time, you know, to click and to gel. But, um, you know, there, there are a couple of teams who are going to fancy, you know, doing better than they did last year. Um, I'd be happy to, to better last season's position. You know, ideally, I think, you know, a successful season for Palace would be top half with the eternal sort of pessimist in me will say you know um securing a you know a, a relatively you know comfortable survival and I don't mean survival to, you know, to scale by the skin of the teeth but you know you'd like to be you know come into February and know you know what I think we've done enough and let's see where you know Palace can push on so um you know anything anything better than the 11th I would be you know pleased with you know you'd like to push into the top half but um, I want to get you know too um, ahead of ourselves because I think you look at uh, I suppose you know some of the big teams and I think the gap is getting bigger and it's part of me a bit you know fearful and and probably will get a bit of a reality check on on Monday night um, you know against Liverpool but um, yeah there's a, a bit of optimism I, I, I'd like a bit of a cup run this year I think um, I um, probably thankfully now looking back missed the cup final um, three years ago because I had to to Ireland for for a, for a family do. Um, so um, I'm probably glad I missed it because I wouldn't be able to cope with losing in the manner we did to, um, you know, those uh, people we won't speak uh, the name of on this uh, vaunted podcast. But um, yeah, it, it would be nice to get a bit of a cup run going because I suppose when you look at you know teams, you know, outside of the top six, um, you know, you know, yeah, it's great to finish seventh. If you're Burnley in Europe, it's great to finish eighth. But you know, where's the Where's the sort of unbridled joy in that? So, you know, um, I don't care if it's the League Cup or if it's, you know, the FA Cup again, but, um, you know, maybe another, uh, you know, day out in Wembley uh, and maybe a more successful one, uh, you know, would be, you know, would be nice. But, you know, that's everyone's, uh, you know, everyone's dream. So, um, we'll say top half and a clean sweep of all the cups and I'll be moderately pleased. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Donna. And, um, yeah, just one more before um, we wrap up with the the band that we're going to play this week. Give us your... Score prediction and a and a theory behind your your predictions, please, Donna. So part of me is 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 saying that um you know you look at Liverpool yesterday you know tearing West Ham apart, um, um but you know Sellers isn't probably the easiest place for Liverpool to go. We've got a couple of victories there in recent years, um 
you know, um, Mo Salah robbed us of a of a point back in March, which was actually Palace's last defeat in the league. Um, uh, you know, at the end of March, um, with that you know, poxy toe poke, um, which was uh, uh, undeserving of such a grand stage like Sellers Park. You know, uh, there was there was no class and there's no class in a toe poke from from Mo Salah. Uh, you know, being honest, I actually think you know, um, you know, Palace are well organised if they can if if we're set up well and, and, and are, you know, a bit disciplined and, you know, can just, you know, I suppose, contain the, you know, that sort of frightening trio that, uh, you know, that Liverpool have, then, you know, I'll be, you know, optimistic that we might be able to, you know, snatch a 1-1. Um, but, you know, my, my heart tells me, you know, 1-1, you know, maybe my head tells me that Liverpool might just be a bit too strong. Um, you know, some of, some of your enforcements over the summer seem to, with Navi Keita in particular, seems, like a player who could just bring you to that next level in terms of you know composure in midfield. So, um, you know, I'd be happy with a point, um, and then which should you know set off a you know a, a run for Palace to be top by November. You know, so um, yeah, we'll say I'll say I'll say one one. We'll take the draw. I'm gonna go for the one one score draw. Yeah, um, just my own thoughts on the game because I didn't um, say them when we recorded with Jay earlier. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a tough game once again down at Palace. Uh, Obviously, the, the fans are very close to the pitch, aren't they? They create a, a really good atmosphere, especially on a on a Monday night. Everyone's going to be uh, well up for it, and it'll, it'll be a, a really tough game for Liverpool to go down there. But I just think that, like you said, with it with the the strength that they've got in the uh, in the attacking positions with the likes of Salah and and Mane providing um, ammunition for Firmino as well, I think Liverpool will just have that little bit of an edge, and I'll go for a a two one Crystal. Uh, Liverpool win, sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I think the truth's coming out. I think you know yourself that um, you know it's in the stars. You know, um, I, I, you know the last time um, oh, it wasn't a Monday night actually, was it? It was a, I think it was a Wednesday night. But you know the last time um, Liverpool came to Sellers under you know under lights, obviously, famously, um, you know Dwight Gale yeah. puts it to the sword. But but, but yeah, it, it, it should be good. I think. Um, you know, there's a bit of positivity, and there've been some. Um, I wouldn't say issues, but there's a bit of drama, you know, going on in terms of the, the sort of the Homesdale fanatics and the ultras who sort of populate that bottom corner of the Homesdale stand. There was a, a I suppose, a, a tug of war, a misunderstanding, what, however you put it, between them and the club in terms of trying to get a more centralised singing section. So I think one thing that you will notice will be, you know, the you know the lack of, um, you know, the you know the HF and the Potentially the drum, I'm not too sure they might have relocated, but you know that pocket has been sort of split up across the ground, um, partly in protest, partly because of you know apparently a, a, a sort of lack of cooperation from the club or or or, or more that there was a lack of uh, communication from the club to people whose seats that they were you know potentially uh, trying to vacate from to put the HF in. So it'll be interesting to see what the atmosphere is like. It, it, it will be raucous enough, um, um, you know, a game under lights, first game of the season on the back of good form and, and, and positivity. I think, that, you know, there will be a, a cracking atmosphere down there and there'll be plenty who will be, you know, keen to make sure there is because of, you know, what's happened. But it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, how, how that develops halfway through the game, if, if it can maintain, if we can um, sort of reach the heights that we're used to hearing in Cellars. So, uh, so yeah, you know, here's hoping that, um, you know, there'll be a good Cellars crowd backing Palace and, uh, you know, they'll just put, the you know the beaten European finals to the sword two or three nil, but uh, we'll see. Um, hopefully, Carius will be in goals. I have uh, I obviously no, he won't be, but I've got fond memories of him steaming out last year, giving away the penalty. Um, I think everyone's got fond memories of Carius, unfortunately. Um, but uh, but 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 yeah, you know, it, it it'll be a tough game. I think particularly, I mean, you know, when I look at Liverpool and 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 think, you know, of uh, of the performance against West Ham, I think it's yeah, partly because West Ham are probably a bit overhyped and haven't quite clicked yet and, and, and should get better um, but I think you know there's a lot to be said for a large part of that thrashing meted out to West Ham by Liverpool in the fact that you know I think this is probably um, it's early days but probably you know the best squad Liverpool have assembled maybe maybe in my lifetime um, and um, I think for most people they're probably the clear and obvious challenger to Man City this season so hopefully um, you know it, 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 it will result in, in, in more of a title race but um, you know we'll see I think this will be your First true test now on Monday night, you know whether whether um you know your your championship uh, your aspirations can be uh, satisfied and met with a tricky trip down the cellar. So um you know hopefully it'll be a 
a wake up call for you. And um, you're going to have to realize that actually forget about Naby Keita. We need to put Jordan Henderson back in and uh, and maybe he's the guy who can make it tick. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Donna. Right. OK. So um, for, the, for the first time, I'm going to have a special guest reading my uh, song tonight because she wants to come on every single week. It's Layla. A few of the listeners will have heard her coming on the uh, on the podcast before, but tonight she's going to read the uh, she's going to introduce the band for us. So everybody that's listening, uh, Layla's now going to introduce you the band that we're going to play Go on, at the top table tonight. Right, Layla, you ready? This song is called "Quiet Wolf" by Shady Goes. Well done. <laughs> yeah, well done, <laughs> Layla. Thank you. Natural.
that song was called Quiet Wolf by Shady Groves. Thanks very much to Jay Riley and thanks very much to Donna Hurley and thanks very much to Layla for pre- introducing the uh, to the band tonight. And uh, thanks again for your time, Donna. Hope you no enjoy worries, the game no on worries. Monday. I yeah, you too. And if you don't get to see it, enjoy enjoy France and uh, and and yeah, here's to uh, here's to a cracking match. Cheers, Donna. And that's the Cop Table podcast of the Crystal Palace versus Liverpool game. All done. We'll speak to you all very soon. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. See you next week. Outside the Shankly Gates I heard a cop I Spark innovation across your federal agency with IT hardware, software, and services from Connection Public Sector Solutions. Your technology procurement challenges will meet their match as Connection's dedicated account managers offer exceptional customer service and our extensive list of supported federal contracts means you'll always get a price that works for your budget. Learn more about innovation for your agency with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts. I'll only be a minute. Come in with me. What is HomeSense anyway? Look, outdoor furniture is in. Hey, that's a great brand. And it's a six-piece set. Check out this price. Are you sure that's not just the no, table? No, chairs too. Is this an outdoor rug? It is. It's nicer than our indoor rug. Outdoor ottomans, planters, patio umbrellas. Are you seeing these prices? You save a lot at HomeSense. This is the year we love our backyard. Can I say something? Yes. I'll get the truck. And that is why I love you. Save on outdoor like never before at HomeSense. Discover a store near you at HomeSense.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.